The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Thanks for tuning back in, everybody. I always appreciate it. I'm going to do kind of a short intro today. I have to get into work uh, as I record this. It's uh, just about 10 in the morning, and I have an appointment at 11 o'clock today to pierce a little girl's ears, so I can't be late for that. So uh, I don't have a lot of extra time. I'm heading out to Nashville tomorrow for those two seminars on Monday and Tuesday, and uh, I haven't really finished packing yet, so I need to get all that stuff done, make sure I have all my certificates printed for the class, and make sure I've got everything ready for all the, uh, the attendees. So as far as APP work, we just finished up with the ALD scholarship selection process. Uh, it's always a bit of a challenge every year. You know, we get 20, 25 applicants and we have to kind of boil it down to, you know, um, usually eight. But this year we had enough funding for 12 uh, scholars. So we got to pick 12 people that'll get to come out to Las Vegas, take some classes with us and um, kind of trade some of their time volunteering and helping out and kind of keeping those gears running at conference. So it was a really, really interesting group of people. We're going to have some scholars from Slovakia and Prague uh, Hawaii, just kind of all over. We're going to have a, a, a good potpourri of uh, scholars this year for the conference. So, you know, things are going really good. It was Caitlin McDiarmid and Kel Belford uh, on the, the scholarship panel also, and it's always great to work with them. Just as a reminder for everybody in the UK area and beyond, if you're interested in traveling in, I'm going to be doing a seminar on Monday, February 25th with Jeff Saunders in Glasgow, Scotland. So anyone who's interested, you can head over to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. You can check out the info for that. Get yourself registered. Should be a really good one. You know, I don't typically do classes with another instructor. You know, I've done some at conferences, sure, but I don't usually do private seminars with a co-instructor. So this one should be pretty interesting. I'm going to handle a good chunk of freehand information. Jeff is going to handle a good chunk of uh, disposable information, going disposable in your studio, either no tools or tools you would kind of fashion from other items that are easy to throw away, or just kind of throwing out tools in general. So uh, it's really kind of part safety and part technique. Um, it should be a really interesting class. Then we're also going to do a hands-on practical section together where we're going to show people all the different techniques that would be uh, something you could try once you've learned freehand concepts and disposable concepts. So should be a really good class. Uh, I would love to see a lot of my UK friends there, Europe friends, you know, whoever wants to, to come and, and do a class with us in Glasgow. I, I'd, I'd say the more the merrier. My guest this week is Tanner Bennett. And uh, the reason I wanted to interview Tanner is because he posted a, a really interesting bit of news on, on Facebook, just kind of talking about how he's just sick of the way that people treat each other on Facebook, really, as a body piercer, dashing their enthusiasm for younger piercers, things like that. You know, it, it's a sticking point for me, too, that body piercers who are trying to act like they are 
uh, role models, leaders of the industry, just kind of tearing people down and not looking at it from the same perspective of, you know, you were also learning once and, you know, someone helped you and someone mentored you or someone gave you some information. You know, we didn't invent body piercing. You know, we're not the first generation of body piercers by any means. So it's really important that when you have information, you share it freely. Um, there are going to be a lot of points that Tanner and I talk about, kind of starting off with uh, the info that he posted uh, on Facebook, and then we kind of, you know, go off a little bit. We, we hit a lot of different topics, and it's a really interesting conversation. It's a longer conversation, though, so try to stick with me. Uh, you'll notice a few audio dips we recorded over Skype, and uh, either Tanner's internet connection or my internet connection got a little bit spotty. So there are a couple little dips here and there, but overall, it's a great conversation, and I really had a fun time talking with Tanner. So let's get into that one, and I'll be back at the end. Hey, what's up? My name is Tanner Bennett. I'm a body piercer at Blue Boutique Body Piercing in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, social media, really just do Instagram at piercings by Tanner. And yeah, I'm stoked to be here. So uh, I'd say it was, I don't know, what, two weeks ago when you had made a, a post in the Body Modification Learning Forum and you know it, it, it got a lot of it got a lot of interest. It got a lot of people talking because I think I think there are points where sometimes piercers, um, they get kind of dumped on if they talk about things enthusiastically that, you know, maybe certain types of body piercers think is like beneath them, you know, uh, and so I'm going to just kind of read off a couple of the things that you had, had listed on there and then we can kind of just chat about it. But, you know, all of them seem pretty common sense to me, you know, so I, I just wanted to get your reaction as to... Uh, the the scenarios that made you kind of post this stuff, you know, and and talk about how to kind of open up dialogue. But you know, some of them like you don't have to be an APP member to do good piercings. Uh, you're you're still a good piercer if you don't do every every piercing with gold. Tools are okay to use. Freehand is okay. It's okay to work out of bags. It's okay to work out of a statum. It's okay to mess up piercings occasionally. Uh, it's okay to, to not be comfortable or, or know certain techniques, and it's okay to get excited about the little stuff, you know, like renewing classes or starting apprenticeships, different steps in your career. So what are some of the things that made you post that? You know, was it frustrations seeing how other peer piercers are treating each other, or, or like what, what motivated you to, to do that? So it was kind of a mix of things. Um, I took a pretty long break from social media in general. I was off Facebook for probably like a month, month and a half. And I just like, Hey, it'd be, it'd be a good time to jump back on and see what everyone's up to. And I got onto Facebook, like right when I woke up in the morning and the very first thing I saw was, you know, a bunch of piercers just talking crap about this guy who he completed his bloodborne pathogen certification and he was super excited about it. And, you know, everyone was just like, Oh, well, you know, anyone can do that in 20 minutes. And like my initial reaction was just like, why dogging on this guy? I mean, he's doing what he needs to to do his career and he's stoked about it. And I know nothing about the person in question that the post was about. And some is like, what if this kid was an apprentice? What if it was like his first time getting his certification and he's stoked about it? And then, you know, all these senior piercers make him feel like crap about it. You know, that's that's not a good way to treat people in this industry and that's not how it's going to grow. I would really encourage people that, that take those steps. You know, it's... Uh, 
like everybody everybody should be doing that you know so when you kind of when you when you start to set a precedent of like um your career accomplishments are like beneath me or something like that you know it it makes people a little bit less motivated to to do the next one it makes them a little bit less motivated to share their excitement and then in turn you know there are fewer piercers out there seeing those different steps and knowing that they can do it too you know like i i really don't like it when when piercers act like they came out of the womb like an expert body piercer you know like we we all have to take steps to get there and then like you know sure a, a bloodborne pathogens class isn't going to be super exciting or super sexy but it's cool that somebody takes the time to do it and especially when they get engaged with the content because like you can just sit there and, and read it, you know, but if you don't care about the content, it's not really going to make much of a positive impact on your career. So when people get excited and they geek out over little things, you know, like a CPR certification or a Bloodborne certi certification, you know, like that's cool. You know, I want to encourage that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember the first time I took my Bloodborne pathogen at the APP conference when they were still doing it there. And you know, for most people, it was a fairly basic class, but me being freshly 18 and only taking, like, you know, the courses online that you can do in 20 minutes, this one was, like, way more in-depth, and I, I was so excited about it. So, yeah, like you said, you know, it's baby steps. Everybody has to start somewhere, and I just don't think you should chastise someone because, like, they know less than you. No, definitely not. You know, that's not really the mark of professionalism, you know, uh... I think it would be a lot more, a lot more beneficial, uh, a lot more constructive if you said, "Hey, that's awesome," you know. Uh, and, and especially if you dump on someone, and you're like, "Oh, you can take that class in 20 minutes." You know, maybe a better way to present that, uh, you know, th sentiment is to say, "Well, you know, the one that you took is is kind of simple and, and bare bones, and only 20 minutes." You know, have you thought about? taking maybe like the, the APP online bloodborne pathogen certificate or have you thought about getting out to a class or something like that you know start start a conversation like hey you know if you if you really liked that class you know check out this class you know check out this online first aid class or check out you know like you want to keep that excitement going because when people stop getting excited to take classes they start getting sloppier you know like uh I, I feel like even even the drier technical classes, you know, it gives you more and more foundation. It just makes you a better body piercer. I don't know why anyone would, would try to discourage someone from that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, my, my whole approach to it is, you know, obviously, like like it's been stated, anyone can take a blood class. You know, it's not rocket science. But instead of, you know, dogging on someone for taking a class – like you said, start a conversation instead of being like, oh, you took that class in 20 minutes, like you don't know anything. Be like, hey, what did you learn from that class? What was your favorite part about the class? And, you know, then from there, you can start a conversation to maybe teach them something more about like a septic technique that they might not know. And, you know, it's, you just like help people instead of, you know, instead of making them feel bad for little accomplishments. Yeah, you know, I, I've talked about it with a bunch of other piercers on the show where it it kind of seems like people are trying to hold on to as much of that internet fame as possible, and a lot of times they're doing it at the expense of other people's growth and other people's motivation and excitement. Um, I, You know, it, it's, it's kind of a toxic pattern that I see, 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always want to drive home the fact that, like, you know, you didn't learn all this stuff by yourself. You know, you took a class or somebody mentored you or you had an apprenticeship or something, you know, and, and think back when you were starting as a piercer, if someone had dumped on your enthusiasm, how would that have made you feel? You know, like there are a lot of body piercers who come to conference or, you know, start getting involved in Facebook groups or, or talk to other body piercers and they're so excited and then their excitement gets dashed because they have an interaction with, you know, some some asshole, basically, you know, and, and it kind of mm-hmm. kills it for them a little bit. I've, I've talked to lots of body piercers who say, you know, I wanted to reach out and I wanted to ask to shadow or I wanted to get to conference, but I didn't because... I saw that somebody was kind of a bully or a snob or something like that, and it, it kind of killed my, my motivation. That is just really disheartening, you know, because I want to see I want to see everybody get to their fullest potential, and I, I don't really see the, the point in trying to trying to hold someone back. Even if you have criticism, you can make it constructive, you know. It, it, same thing as you said. Oh, you know, yeah. Talk to them and engage them about what they liked and didn't like about what they're doing and, and turn it into a conversation. Yeah, like one of, one of the biggest ones I see too. I've I've geez over literally like thirty friends who are in the situation. They're in a shop where they want to do better, and they're using jewelry that's still like internally threaded. It's still implant grade, but it's you know definitely one of the lower tier companies quality wise. And you know, and they want to go to conference and all that, but they're like, oh, I don't want to go because I use company X, Y, and Z instead of. A, B, and C, which are the better ones, and everyone makes me feel like crap for it. And, I mean, I totally understand that um, with quality jewelry, like, there's two sides of the argument. Like, the first one I've seen is if you can't afford to use quality jewelry, go get a different job until you can, which that's really hard for a lot of people. And then the other side of it is, like, you know, not everybody can afford naval curves that are wholesale costs, like $35 and things like that so you know back to the whole everybody starts somewhere instead of making someone feel horrible for not being able to use quality jewelry why not try to help them out why not let them guest at your studio and let them try out higher quality stuff so then maybe they can really see the difference and start to make those changes yeah yeah you know so i i really like to share the you know, the, the little bits of my career that I wouldn't really necessarily talk to clients about, you know, and a lot of that is the gradual progression of my career. You know, I, I definitely did not start out anywhere close to what I have now, you know, and no, for, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a generational thing as far as the, the piercers that were starting when I was starting, but nobody really seemed to tear people apart over, over, you know, things like jewelry companies. I mean, sure, if I'm going to talk to a body piercer and they say, you know, I'm, I'm using these certain lower quality jewelry manufacturers, you know, I'll talk to them and I'll be like, okay, cool. You know, what are your, what are your goals? You know, where do you want to get in a year or two or three years or something, you know? Uh, what new companies do you want to try to use? You know, what are your strategies for how you're expanding your jewelry selection and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to tear them apart and just say like, you know, okay, quit until you can get body vision and anatomy metal all day because right? that's totally unrealistic for the majority of shops. And you have to, you have to work your way towards that. Oh yeah. You know, you, you can't just do it over, overnight and especially, I, I see this at conference, especially there's so many people that come from other countries and internationally you know i have some friends in uh asia for example 
they have a really, really hard time getting the account with Metal, Industrial Strength, Neo Metal. I literally walked with them at conference to all those booths, and they were in, you know, they were just like, we can't set up an account with you due to like where you're at, like geographically right now and everything. So instead, I was like, hey man, why don't you check out this company? It's not the highest quality, but it's internally threaded. It's titanium. You know, it'll it'll definitely get you started to doing something better. And now they're stocking that company and they're super stoked about it. So, you know, there's a lot of situations like that, too, where it's not even that people can't afford quality jewelry. It's that they're just in a situation where it's literally not achievable. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the some of the better moments that I had to kind of like really fully understand my bias and, and how easy I have it being in the States has been going to all these different conferences around the world. You know, really good examples would be uh, the LBP conference in Mexico and the GEP conference in Brazil, you know, and you can talk to people and you can, you can hear all the different adversity that they have to go through just to run their, their studio, you know, like a, a good example in Brazil, um, they just can't get certain sterilizers. They can't get them, you know, they're either their government is corrupt and it'll get stolen in a customs house or they're going to get taxed some huge amount of money or, you know, sometimes they're just not legally allowed to import certain kinds of things into their country, disinfectants and sterilizers and stuff like that, you know, and to try to talk to someone and say like, oh, you know, you're, you're crap because you're not using the stuff that we can get. I'm using. <laughs> yeah, right. The stuff that's like made in my country and that I don't have to pay import taxes on and, and all this stuff. You know, I, I went to Mexico and uh, I was invited to, to teach a class on like how to make changes in your studio. And I went in uh, just thinking of like American piercer mentality and, and thinking in that concept of like, oh yeah, you know, when you want to expand to having 50 different gold options, this is what you do. And, and then I was talking to certain body piercers and they were like, yeah, you know, um, I'm making like $100 a week, you know, like how how is it, how can you tell me that that's even possible or viable or, you know, like, or people just we can't do it right here, right now, you know? So if you were to dash their enthusiasm and be like, well, you should just close up shop then. Like what kind of, what kind of position does that put them in? You know, like what are you, you're not really helping anyone in a situation like that. You know, for me, I started with crap. I started with total external thread, steel, who cares, crap, you know? And I slowly worked my way up to, you know, in, internal thread steel and then internal thread titanium and then like the really high qualities of, of internal thread titanium and gold and all that stuff, you know, and if I had tried to do it overnight, it would have put me out of business. I never would have been able to expand and grow my shop and, and do what I've done uh, if I had tried to do it too fast, you know, so there is something to be said for organic natural growth and I just don't understand why some piercers act like that's not reality when that was probably the reality for them as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, some people, they do get really lucky, you know, a lot of it with, especially this industry, you know, like, so, so many people, we, we can't just go to the bank and take out like a $50,000 loan to upgrade all of our jewelry stock, you know, some people, they got really fortunate that they were born into a life with money. So it's easier for them to accumulate you know, that inventory where, like you said, there's other people who are working 40, 60 hours a week and they're making, you know, just enough to pay the bills. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to 
try to get that growth. But at the end of the day, you know, even if someone's buying two pieces of quality jewelry a week, you know, it's, it's still progress. And as long as you want to improve and you want to do better, I'm someone who will support you. You know, every, everyone starts somewhere and it's just completely unrealistic to, like you said, expect someone to just start with body vision and anatomy and like mm-hmm. all the top tier, top tier stuff we all want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have, I've had a lot of piercers come through my studio to just to visit or to shadow things like that. And a lot of times they, they comment on, Oh, you know, you have a really nice selection of jewelry and, in you know, it, a lot of times they'll they'll kind of say something self-deprecating, like, "Oh, you know, I only have one display of this, and oh, I can I only have so, so many options." And I I always want to sit down and have a conversation with them and be like, "That's that's exactly how I started." You know, like I remember when I had my my only option was like crappy nostril screws, you know, that I didn't want and people didn't really want to wear, but it was it was the best I could afford. And then I remember when I got in my first pieces of neo metal, you know, and all I could afford at the time was like, I ordered like 10 flatbacks and I ordered 10 end pieces and, and, you know, and that was it. And I slowly had to grow that, you know, and you, you sell those 10 and then you buy another 10 and you sell those. And then you, then you start to buy 20, then you start to buy 50, you know, and it's this gradual thing. Um, I never would have been able to afford to, to have, you know, uh, wide selections of colors and sizes and all that stuff. It just wasn't realistic and, and feasible. So I don't want people to feel intimidated and think that when they go into a studio, you know, from, from some shop that's been in business for a long time and they've grown it over five or 10 or however many years, thinking that that's what you have to start with, you know, uh, you want to just focus on having having what you need to do your job you know and and give the the clients uh, maybe an opportunity to to upgrade if they want to but you know you don't have to have everything at once especially when you're starting out even if you've been in it for a while you know sometimes it's still a struggle where you still want to grow it like i would look at my shop just even five years ago and be like wow you know like i i really wasn't happy with what i was doing but at the time it was the best that i could manage you know and i'm i'm proud of all those all those steps to get me where i've gotten yeah, one of one of my favorite sayings is it's about the journey, not the destination. And right. in this case, like, yeah, the destination it's obviously important, but if you're just handed everything on a silver platter, I, I feel like you don't you don't respect everything as much as you would if you had to like, you know, work five years to get that naval jewelry stock and everything like that. Like with me I was really fortunate that I wanted to I wanted to be a piercer at a really young age so I did all the research I made sure I got a really good apprenticeship I've only worked with him and I'm spoiled for that I really am like the majority of my friends you know they worked in some sketchy biker shop and they were just taught like oh you make the dot everybody gets the lip jewelry it's the same gauge same size and you take the money and that's it and you treat everyone the same and you know, I'm I'm pretty fortunate that I didn't have that situation and getting into this industry was a lot easier for me compared to other people who, you know, really, really had to struggle with lower, lower quality materials and just fighting, fighting with all that. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to deal with any of that. So like, I'm really fortunate about that. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it also links to all the other things you said in that post, you know, like if you are in a situation where you are in like a, one of those tattoo kind of kind of shops, you know, like a tattoo parlor kind of mentality, 
where body piercing is more of an add-on service, having to work with someone else who's paying the bills and has given you the thumbs up or the thumbs down for what you can and can't have, like that's a totally different scenario than when you're the shop owner or maybe like you own the, the piercing business and it's your money and you have the flexibility to, to do what you want and to make changes and improvements and stuff like that, you know? So for me, you know, I, I own my shop. Uh, I'm, I'm the body piercer. So it's kind of, it, it's easy for me to just pick and choose and say, all right, these are my priorities in, in my business. Uh, and a lot of people don't even have that opportunity, you know, like they might know, okay, this jewelry isn't great, but this is, this is the stuff that I want or this, you know, skin prep or this sterilizer, you know, these are the things I want. These are the things I need to get where I want to go. And they just don't have the opportunity to buy it at all because it's not even their money. It's somebody else's checkbook or credit card or something, you know, and they just don't have that flexibility. So to, to talk to somebody like that who has the best intentions, but they have whatever limitations or, or setbacks or anything, like, I don't understand how that would be beneficial to the conversation, you know, like you, you kind of have to support those people even more than, than the people that, that have everything, you know, you have to kind of keep them motivated and keep them inspired and, and keep the conversation going with them. Because if they just stop engaging, then they're probably going to stop trying eventually. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, this, this industry is going to be exactly what we make it and exactly what we want it to be. And, you know, I've noticed over the last few years, there's already so many people in this industry that are struggling with mental health issues and everything like that. And so the last people need is just people criticizing them because they use a lower quality company or because they can't freehand a nostril or something ridiculous like that. And, you know, that's that's just not the way our industry is going to grow. And that's that's not the way that we should be approached approaching helping each other yeah i mean criticism needs to be constructive like that that's yeah that's a huge thing for me you know if i see so i'll, I'll follow some some different body piercers you know like if they if i see them you know come up frequently on somebody else's feed or you know a hashtag or something like that i'll start following them and you know if they're kind of earlier in their career maybe i'll, I'll send them a message and I'll, I'll say like you know okay that's that's cool but have you ever thought about maybe changing your marks this way or have you thought about trying this thing or that thing or hey like I'm seeing that you're having you're having a, an issue or you're you're posting about like a question or a problem that you've seen come up and I've had that same problem and, and this is what I did to kind of move past it you know do you think that that would be helpful for you you know but I'm not going to just be like oh yeah you're you're terrible you should just give up you should just like stop doing what you're doing exactly I mean like what what we do it's not it's not surgery it's not rocket science you know it's it's a luxury business so yeah it's important maintain safety aspects and everything like and if you feel someone's doing something unsafe instead of chastising them like i I had this situation the other day a friend uploaded a navel piercing that the top of their navel had a pretty severe crease that would constantly put pressure on the top gem and so you know some some people were a little rude about their comments with that piercing and i just private messaged her and i was like so instead of instead of approaching this this way what do you think about this way did you look at this portion of the anatomy and here's what i've noticed with these and here's what will happen and you know by the end of it she was like man it it really bummed me a lot of people were just 
being dicks to me over this, but like, thank you for reaching out and actually like trying to help me improve. And that, that's just how we should approach everything with, with how we talk to people, especially in the learning forum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The learning forum is definitely something that comes up on this show all the time. Uh, I tried, I tried to get involved in it at, at different points of my career, you know, thinking, well, you know, I, I think experienced, cool-headed piercers need to get in there and kind of temper some of the conversations of people that are maybe just trying to grab some attention or trying to kind of place themselves in a leadership role, like in maybe something other than an organic way or, or you know, like there are a lot of people where they're... they're mentality is to show off about how cool they are or how much better they are and and you know sometimes it's at the expense of the people who are learning and that kind of negates the whole concept of a learning forum because you're not actually sharing any information all you're doing is like ripping people apart and you're you're criticizing them in a non-constructive way you know and I I had all kinds of struggles and problems when when it came to like sterilization and stuff like that earlier in my career my my first shop um, was was really small. It was one one piercing room, one tattoo room, and that that was pretty much in a lobby, and that was pretty much it. You know, a bathroom in the back, but the hand washing sink, the only hand washing sink in the shop, was in the tattoo booth, and it was the same sink that we would use to scrub dirty tools. You know, so it was it was bad. It was a really oh, bad. Geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. Like it, that's the thing too, is I don't want to make it seem like I was ever perfect at any point in my career. Like I made a lot of mistakes because I just didn't know any better at the time. You know, that was probably 2000, you know, somewhere around there. And I, I just didn't know proper studio setup and, and things like that. I had never been to the APP conference at that point. So I didn't know, you know, and uh, when I got out to the APP conference and I learned more about studio layout and everything, I started to say like, okay, well, you know, we have to, we have to change the way the shop works and we have to move things. And eventually I, I completely moved locations to somewhere else. And I got to build out, you know, a, a studio that had a hand washing sink in, in each workstation. And there was a completely separate, you know, walled off enclosed sterilization room and all that, you know, and if some piercer had come along, and been like, oh, you know, you're a hack, you should just stop piercing, instead of talking to me and being like, okay, well, that, that autoclave is is not what you want to be using for packaged instruments because, you know, there's no dry cycle and, and this and that. You know, nobody nobody dumped on me for it, you know? People were just like, okay, you know, have you thought about upgrading to this and have you thought about improving that and, and whatever? And I got better over time because people answered my questions and they helped me out, you know, reading stuff on BME or reading stuff at, at, at conference or whatever, you know, and I don't know where that started to go away. You know, I don't know if it was because of social media where people want to use Facebook or Instagram as like a tool to get clients and they want to make it seem like they're the only good piercer, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's gotta be, a, it's gotta be. A, a different mentality where people are cool sharing information, you know, because I, I really don't think that it's it's going to damage your business if somebody even right down the street has certain things, you know, sometimes competition can be good and I don't want to be selfish uh, uh, about what I've learned because it, I didn't invent it. I learned it from someone else. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think one of the biggest issues is, and, and I'll even totally admit to this, when I started piercing about five-ish years ago, uh, when I when I first got in the industry, you know, I I saw I went to APP conference. I saw all these super great piercers uh, who I really look look up to, and 
immediately I started comparing myself to them and I was like, Oh, why, why am I not where they're at? Why am I not where they're, they're at? You know, but I, what I failed to realize is everybody who I was comparing myself to, they all went through the exact same things I did that, you know, I was going through in the start of my career with, Oh, I'm having issues with nostril piercings and having issues with this or that or whatever. And I think a lot of newer piercers just fail to realize that, you know, these people that have been piercing for 20 years who were really, really great at what they do, there was a point in time where they couldn't pierce a nostril straight to save their life, and they probably needed five or six tools to get the job done. And, you know, it's, it's all about baby steps and improvement. So I guess some of the best advice I can give to people is stop comparing yourself to other people. You know, it's it's good to look at those people and want to want to be like them and want to improve and get to where they're at. That's totally fine. But to compare yourself to not doing like the same quality of work that they're doing is just ridiculous because a lot of these people that we look up to, they just have more experience. They've been doing it, you know, in some cases longer than some of us have even been alive. So I think a lot of people just fail to fail to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't even really like to compare myself to myself. You know, I, uh, uh, an example, like I, you know, I've been doing all these, these different freehand piercing seminars, like all, all over the place. And when I go to the, when I go to these classes, uh, the, the experience level ranges huge, you know, sometimes there'll be an apprentice who's only been, uh, working for three months in a shop, you know, maybe they haven't even actually gotten to the point where they've been practicing with needles or anything yet. And then you'll have people who have been piercing for like 20 years and are crazy experienced and, and know things backwards and forwards. And, you know, I like to get them all talking with each other so that they understand, okay, well, you know, what you learned is is achievable for me as a goal. Like, I can get there too, and I don't want to see it as an intimidation factor. You know, like, I really like to have class environments where I can talk to somebody and I can say, you know, all right. We, we talked about the theory, now try it practically, you know, like, you know, have them pierce foam or fruit or something like that. And they'll get frustrated and they say, well, you know, this isn't working for me. And then I'll say, okay, but that also didn't work for me, you know, and it's because you're holding your hands this way. And what I learned is when I started holding my hands this way, it made it feel more natural. So try that. And then, you know, it, it works for them and they, they start to see you know, you, you, you have to work and you have to practice and that makes you get better, you know? And then you, you, you talk to somebody, uh, you know, uh, the next year at conference or you, you run into them with more experience under their belt and, you know, they feel more motivated and they feel more passionate about it. And they, and they say like, you know, oh, okay, well I overcame this thing that I didn't know, or, or this, this thing that I needed to get, you know, I finally got it. Um, and it's just cool to see that, that growth and progression. Yeah, you, you definitely don't want to say, all right, well, I'll never be as good as Luis Garcia, you know, because Luis Garcia now was, you know, a different person 10 years ago and, you know, would probably look back on his own career and be like, okay, well, I didn't really have this, that, or whatever worked out, you know, and um, everybody who's in that nervous position can get to that point that they want to get to. It just takes time and it takes patience and it takes practice. And sometimes it takes mentoring and it takes a helping hand, you know, and uh, it, it's just good to have the right people talking to, to those kinds of people. You don't want to have someone just like shutting them down because they're not, you know, elite or whatever. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. A, a good rule of thumb that I really like too. I think it was Ken uh, Coyote who said this. Um, you know, you're you're not going to get something right after doing it three times, five times, ten times. You know, you're you're going to mess up. Um, he said that you should try a technique twenty five to thirty times before you even form an opinion on maybe I like it, maybe I don't. You know, because doing doing something two or three times, you're you're going to have hiccups. It's, it's not going to be perfect. And even 10 times, you know, you might feel somewhat comfortable with it, but you still don't truly have experience doing that things. You know, I, I think a lot of people too, they just, they get discouraged. And this, this was a big thing in the start of my career too. When I started piercing, you know, I, I remember I started doing nostrils and the first nostril piercing I ever did, I used a captive bead ring and tried to transfer it, lost transfer. And I was like, oh, I, I can't get this. And, you know, captive bead rings in general, it, it took me like a literally probably like a year and a half of working with them every day before I was even somewhat comfortable with them. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you're not going to get it your first try. You're not going to get it your third try. You're not going to get it your 20th try. And, about building up that repetition and that experience and you're not going to get it overnight well another thing too is you know techniques can be a, a gradual progression you know like i when when i train a, a brand new piercer you know the the last person i apprenticed evan um i i didn't say all right this is how i'm piercing now and i expect you to go from nothing to what i'm doing now because i didn't do i didn't learn that way you know i started with tools you know I started with clamps and I started with receiving tubes and all that stuff and I understood uh, the, the benefits and the drawbacks of those things and then that's what led me to my my other techniques you know using less tools or, or you know using a receiving tube rather than a clamp you know and then eventually getting into freehand and then eventually getting into like you know disposable transfer pins and all that stuff like it's it's a progression you know and if a mm -hmm. piercer is coming into it it, you know, it is it better for them to learn just freehand and just disposable when maybe that would give the client maybe a, a, a not great piercing experience, you know, it, if it would slow it down or make it hurt a little bit more for, for like a novice beginner piercer to, to do that. Is it more beneficial for them to learn tool-based techniques and all that stuff and then eventually grow, you know? And I like to train people and say, right, I'm going to show you the four or five different ways that I've learned to do this piercing over my career. And like, once you understand all those couple of different techniques, pick the one that seems most natural to you and then start to work on it and develop it. And then if you want, you can move on to another more advanced technique. You know, I wouldn't want to just teach people like you have to do this inside out, no transfer pin, no tool, anything magic technique, because that's that's really not going to be feasible for a lot of people. Even people with a lot of experience might not feel comfortable doing that stuff right away, you know? So why would I expect that someone would just kind of like, that's the only way that you can pierce, you know? People sometimes push their personal opinions as gospel and say, well, this is how I do it, so this is how everyone should do it. And I don't I don't think that's that's feasible in most scenarios. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've definitely been there. I mean, with inside out nostrils, I've been trying to perfect that technique for the last like two years. And, you know, I'm, I'm still really back and forth on it. And I've done it over a 100 times. And, you know, it's it's still one of those things that I just can't fully wrap my head around. But 
at the end of the day, as long as you're doing a safe piercing and you know your angles are good, you're not cross-contaminating, who cares how you do it? If you pierce a nostril freehand, receiving tube, clamps, whatever, they're all they're all fine and they're all safe. Um, you know, especially with clamps, I see so many people dog on them. You know, like, oh, you pierce a navel with clamps? Why don't you just freehand it? Some people just aren't comfortable with that. And, you know, you, you shouldn't make them feel bad because they did a safe piercing with clamps. At the end of the day, they did a safe piercing. And who who cares about the cool kid points? Because you can freehand whatever, you know? Like, I, I feel like it's kind of uh, like a popularity contest almost anymore of like, oh, well, I did this piercing with just a needle and jewelry, so I'm better than you. I don't need receiving tubes. I don't need clamps. And, like, yeah, you just... There's multiple ways to skin a cat. So, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't judge someone just because they have a different technique. Yeah, I mean, it. so at this point in my career, I would say that there are certain piercings where it's beneficial to try to remove some tools from the, from the scenario, but oh, every totally. single... Well, every, every single one of those piercings, I've... I've had a point where I did it with clamps, you know, or I did it with, with more tools and, you know, I was getting my, you know, my piercings were still healing. They were still looking fine. You know, I still had happy clients, you know, so you have to understand, you have to be able to have a, a reasonable outlook. You know, if you have 10 perfectly healed nostril piercings, you know, a year old or something like that, you could look at 10 of them and you wouldn't be able to tell which one was done outside into a receiving tube, which one was done inside out freehand, which one was done this way and which one was done that way because they're just, they're healed piercings, you know? So there's, there's 10 different ways to do something correctly. You know, there's maybe a thousand different ways to do it incorrectly, you know, and that's, that's kind of the harder part is learning what's just never acceptable, you know, and a lot of that is going to just be, more like safety kind of techniques or, you know, just like not having care or, or cleanliness or something like that. But when it comes down to it, if you're taking care of your clients and your clients are happy and their their piercings are healing and you're getting good results, what you're doing is correct, basically. You know, like you, you got to look at the results and sure, there can be room for improvement. You know, if someone's using a clamp on a nipple, I would definitely say, well, you might want to consider eventually learning to be able to do it without that clamp because not every nipple um, is you're not going to you're not going to have a great result with a tool on every nipple some nipples are going to be much better served by piercing them freehand or or this way or that way or whatever but it's important to have all those cards in your deck because there have been times where I've had you know maybe some different anatomical variations where I would normally my my comfort zone would be freehand piercing or whatever and then I'll look and I'll say you know what this would be way easier for the client if I just used a clamp you know and then I, I use that tool and I know how to use that tool so sometimes when people rush for that whole um, you know race to being the most uh, threadless tool free disposable sterile glove this and that they don't necessarily understand all the other all the other steps before that and I, I think they're a weaker piercer for it. So yeah, maybe you're using some top of the line technique or jewelry or something like that, but you might not be as strong and versatile as a piercer uh, as someone who's gone through step by step and learned, you know, with a, with the receiving tube, with a clamp, with freehand, with a hundred percent disposable technique, with this, with that. You know, I I want to know all those different things. I don't want to just know one thing that one person kind of bullied me into learning. 
Oh yeah, exactly. And I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, you know, all it's all it's going to do is help you if you know how to use clamps correctly and use receiving tubes and freehand. You know, like there might be a time in your career where you do a lot of guest spotting and you might go to a studio that for some reason say they only have clamps, they don't have receiving tubes, and then you have to make do. You know, so like I I, I just don't get why people chastise other people for wanting to learn more information and you know wanting, wanting to learn more techniques on how to do things because I mean all it's doing is helping your career and then once you're you have all those techniques really like pat and down you know maybe you can teach someone something who touches you maybe you can teach someone who's been piercing longer than you something you know like you can always learn something from anybody no matter where they're at in their career and you know no matter how long they've been doing it i've at apd conference i've met piercers who've been piercing for six months and they've told me things that have just like blown my mind and i'm like whoa i didn't even think to look at it that way yeah i mean you can learn from anyone you know you're either learning yeah. the way to do it or sometimes you're learning the way to not do it and it's still beneficial to to learn those ways you know and same kind of thing when it comes to you know, different sterilizers, you know, piercers feeling like they're less than because they can't afford a statum. And it's like a statum, you know, great. Yeah. Awesome. I use a statum every day, but, uh, you know, if, if I had the time and the, the interest to sit there and like individually sterilize every piece of jewelry, I'd be perfectly fine with doing that. It's just the way my studio operates. It, it flows better with a statum without having to do you know all that all that packaging and spend all that time and it's it's fine but i mean both both pieces of jewelry both needles both tools whatever they're both sterile they're both safe on the client so it's like whatever if you have the extra money for a statum awesome but you know if you don't or you know there are some studios where they're so high volume that using a statum is actually worse for them you know like they don't have time to wait that eight minutes for a sterilization cycle. They have to have packages, you know? And are you going to look at a, a shop like 23rd Street or Piercing Emporium or some like crazy busy shop and tell them like, okay, well, you suck because you're working out of a package. Like they're going to laugh in your face and be like, yeah, you don't understand what you're, what you're talking about. You know, sometimes the differences between piercers can be so small sometimes that they have to put a huge spotlight on one small difference just to make themselves feel better you know to say all right we're both you know using okay jewelry okay sterilizers you know we're both doing this and that but oh you don't use sterile gloves oh you hack you know stuff like oh, that. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why people would like I, i've never i've never cared enough about like my status in the industry i've never felt insecure enough to to tear someone apart over a small difference you know it just doesn't mm -hmm. seem productive yeah i mean i i remember i posted in the learning forum like i think it was like a filter i did or something and i got tore apart for not using a sterile drape and i was just mm. like but I mean, the piercing is straight and you know I, I i understand and i'll implement that in the future but you know there, there was just a lot nicer of a way to approach that and this can actually you know bring us to the i guess the next topic or yeah topic that would be good to discuss is you know the the mental health aspect in our industry like obviously there's it's no secret that a lot of us have depression 
and anxiety and everything like that. And when you tear someone down, all you're doing is feeding those mental illnesses and, you know, making making people more upset with themselves at the end of the day. So question to you is, what do you think would be a good way to help to start to improve the mental health aspect of all of us in this industry, you know, because it's at the end of the day, the job is pretty cool, but it's it gets pretty stressful between, you know, wanting wanting respect from our peers and making sure all of our clients are happy and, you know, say you have a day where you deal with problematic clients, you know, obviously that's going to take a toll on you too. So, so yeah, what, what do you think would be a good way to start to improve the mental health aspect of piercers in our industry? Well, the, the fastest thing that I really want to drive home to people is every single time that I talk to a body piercer and I have to maybe give them some constructive criticism, I always want to give them a compliment also. I, oh, I want exactly. To, I want to start off by, by saying like, you know, like a, a good example, you know, what you had posted, I would have said, hey, that philtrum looks great. Like you nailed your mark. It looks nice and straight. Like it looks good on the person's face. But have you ever thought about maybe using a drape, you know, for this and that? And have you thought about that? You know, like I'm not just going to pick pick the one thing that could use improvement and focus on that and make you focus on that. Like when I, when I talk to piercers in my own studio, if I have a, a critique or criticism or something like that, you know, maybe a piercing doesn't come out awesome. I'm going to talk to them about all the things that they did correctly too. I'm not just going to pick out the one thing that needs improvement. I'm going to say, okay, Hey, look, you know, you, you got this jewelry in, you know, you, you didn't put any sort of a scratch on it and it was perfect. But, you know, I feel like if you had gone, a quarter inch higher, it would have looked maybe a little bit more natural with this anatomical feature or, you know, have you thought about trying this size because this is maybe a little bit too big or too small, but, you know, I love the the end piece you picked. It really brings out the color in their hair or their eyes or something like that. You know, like I'm always yeah. going to, I'm going to support the positive things because you want to grow pride in, in someone's abilities. You don't want to just make them feel self-conscious and and for somebody like myself like I have all kinds of problems with depression and anxiety and when when people criticize my work which you know happens to everybody it happens to me too when people say well that looks like you know a little off center or you know that looks a little bit this a little bit that and that's all they say it's like well shit yeah but did you notice that like you know I did it because of you know this unique anatomy or or this or that it's like it's not a conversation they just dump it's like those people that give a one-star Yelp review because, like, <laughs> one thing didn't go their way. You know, it's like, oh, the piercing came out great, and they had an amazing selection of jewelry, but, you know, they, they didn't they didn't say thank you, so one star. You know, stuff stuff like that. Like, you have to, you have to support people's uh, self-confidence when you're giving critiques. You can't just say the negative, you know? So for anybody out there listening, you know, if, if, you're, if you're in a forum, you know, and... You wanna you wanna talk about a way that someone can improve. Try to pick out one thing that they're that they're doing and give them a little bit of praise on it too. Because you know if people if people stop being enthusiastic about their job, they're gonna try a little bit less the next time. You know, and then exactly. they're, they're, it's really gonna slow down their growth. I'm not saying sugarcoat it and give people compliments that they don't deserve. That's not what I'm saying. It's not like a participation trophy kind of a scenario. <laughs> 
But like people work really hard at this craft and you want to encourage that and you want to give them you want to give them the credit that's due, you know, and hey, I see that you're really busting your ass on like upping your game on, you know, hygiene or jewelry selection or whatever, and that's awesome. You know, but I would also say maybe you should work on this. Maybe you should work on your cross-contamination. Maybe you should work on whatever, you know, and uh, you, you want to keep them motivated, even if you are giving them a little bit of a criticism. Yeah. And one, one thing in our industry that I really think is a double-edged sword is the Internet. I mean, so obviously the Internet brought along like BME and a bunch of stuff like that that really started the early learning platforms for people in our industry. And that's super great. But then... At the same time, you know, people hide behind a keyboard anymore. It's it's so easy to really rag on someone and show no mercy when you're not looking at them face to face and you don't have to deal with their facial expressions and that personal interaction that you have with someone. So what I feel like happens a lot of the time is people make these really harsh comments and, you know, they're overly abrasive and aggressive with how they approach criticism to this one person and they don't really they don't they don't really sit and think and you really think about like the words you're actually saying and the mental health impact it has on people you know you can give someone the exact same information but if you approach it in a nicer more constructive way that person's not going to go home and feel like shit for the next five days because you said their navel piercing was crooked or whatever. So yeah, the, the internet plays a really big part in this. I think it really takes away the personal aspect that of, of human interaction in general. And I think that can be really damaging for some people too. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You have to kind of look too at, at the, um, the experience gap, Basically, you know, like if you go to conference, uh, I, I'd say this this next year at conference, the instructors are going to be a lot more diverse, you know, as far as um, it, the time that they've been in the industry and, and exposure and stuff like that, you know. So there's going to be a lot more new voices that you haven't heard at conference yet, which is great. But I, I think it slows the industry down when you can't position yourself as someone like a mentor and all you turn into is a critic, you know. You have mm -hmm. to... You have to be willing to share information. You have to be willing to inspire people and not just break them down, you know? So if you're the kind of person where you 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 have information, you know, like maybe you're a great piercer with great experience, but if you present it in a way where you're just tearing people down, then nobody's going to want to engage with you and no one's going to want to ask you for help. At, you know, get, they're not going to give you your opportunities, you know, because they're going to look at you as a negative person, you know, so if you have good information to share, share it kindly, you know, uh, share it benevolently and share it freely, you know, and then that's when people know, okay, well, you know, this person is someone that you can talk to. So this, this person is someone that you'd want to go and shadow or, or get some mentoring from or take a class from, you know, and you want to inspire people. I just, I don't, I don't get it sometimes, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I try to share, I try to share information as much as I can because that's what people did for me, you know, and, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's disappointing sometimes when, when you talk to a piercer in person and they're a really nice person, you know, and like you have this great conversation with them and then you see that like they're tearing people apart online. And I, I think a lot of it is that those are the kind of people where, they feel very shy and they feel very introverted and they're, they're the quiet types or something. So like when they get online and they can put that barrier up, 
then maybe they start to turn into the the person that was bullying them and they start to take yeah. it in like that's yeah. how they kind of assert their power and their dominance in their own life but they're doing it in kind of like a malevolent malicious way to other people and it's like you know think if you were if you were ever bullied in your life if you were ever unfairly criticized in in your career or your life you know why would you want to take that negativity and put it on someone else when you could you could go the completely opposite way and you could inspire them exactly and i mean yeah that back to the whole mental mental health thing too like all all that's gonna do when you bully people and everything it's it's gonna make them feel like crap i've personally had so many friends already that have completely left the piercing industry because of this exact reason they're like oh i I love piercing I, i love the job to death but just the the people in the industry are they're just so so aggressive and you know, I, I want to feel good about the things I do. I don't I don't want to feel like crap if I didn't use a sterile drape or, you know, maybe I got out of piercing for a couple of years and I came back and I'm using techniques or a little out to date or out of date or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, you just shouldn't tear people down. And then on the flip side of it, if you are like a new piercer or even really experienced, but you're not very like vocally active in the industry if you're in the learning forum if you're at conference anything like that ask questions that's why you're there and that's what those are there for and my thought process is if you have that question there's probably 10 other people that have that same question but they're afraid to ask it you know that's why at conference last couple years i've always sat in the front row and you know if a question comes up that i know the answer to i raise my hand and i ask it anyway just because I feel like if I don't, I'm taking away the opportunity for someone to learn. And, you know, the, that that's the last thing I want. I want people to grow and I want people to to prosper. And, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to try to help that. Yeah. I mean, that's a great mentality to have, you know, because you you have to pass on the information otherwise the information just dies, you know? Yeah. Uh, and when you're when you're when you see people that kind of tear someone down, you know, try to try to be a beacon of, 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 you know, compassion, I guess, in a scenario like that. I'm not saying to call people out because I'm, I'm sick to death of like the toxic call out culture with the piercing community, especially on Facebook right now. But mm-hmm. if you're seeing those threads blow up on the body modification learning forum, you know, if you see someone getting torn apart over drapes or whatever, Stand your ground and and say like, hey, you know, I think you're being a little uh, unfair in your criticisms. You know, I think you're missing out on a lot of the the positives in this this post or this picture or something. You know, I want to say that I think the person did a great job with with this part and this part and this part. And sure, this part could use some improvement. But, you know, don't don't just pick the one thing that's not perfect and, and tear someone down over it, you know? So I think everybody needs to be more involved in the conversation. I know it's tough to say that when some people feel apprehensive or they, they feel nervous and they don't want to put a bullseye on their own chest and, and, you know, be, be a target or, or be branded mm-hmm. as like, you know, a, a rabble rouser or whatever. But, you know, I think we need to, pay more attention to our community and how our community interacts with each other. And I think we need to, you know, we, we need to, to put more positivity out there, even in a, like a critique type scenario, we need to use a lot more positivity and I, I think we'll get way better results. And I think the industry will be a lot stronger for it. 
I agree. Um, what well, one other thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned was like you know the the whole mob mentality that happens on especially Facebook over the last few years. Um, what what do you think would be a good way to to handle that? Because I see this all the time, whether it's like a dumb meme or something more serious, like talking technique or whatever. You know, there's obviously piercers in our industry who. They've been around for a minute and they, they have a lot of influence and I guess pull would be the right word in, in the industry. So they post an opinion or, you know, something and then 20 other piercers that look up to them are just like, oh, yeah, I agree. And, you know, they jump on the bandwagon without fully reading the situation and without kind of making their own assessment. They just want to, like, agree with big name piercer to appease that person and that's the mentality in our industry that i think is incredibly toxic like it's cool if you agree with these people but at the same time i think you should be a free thinker and you shouldn't just blindly follow the crowd because you want to fit in absolutely super absolutely you know um, i see it a lot of times with piercers that i really really look up to and it's it's through no fault of their own but the people who gravitate towards their style of information are like militant in their support of that style of information, you know? So mm -hmm. sometimes you'll, you'll find piercers with, you know, maybe one to three years experience and they get put in a scenario where they're around a bunch of other piercers with that, like, you know, one to three years of experience. And they kind of like, it's almost like they're playing like Yu-Gi-Oh or magic against <laughs> each other. And they want to, they're like, Oh, you know, you, you have this little piece of information from Bar Brian Skelly. Well, flop, I'm going to put down this card of this piece of information that I heard Jeff Saunders say, and, oh, you've never heard about this. Well, flop, I'm going to put down this card and I'm going to, you know, and there, it's like this kind of one upsmanship where like when I, when I started piercing, I would keep all kinds of like journals and files and folders. And I would say like, okay, this is everything that I've learned about iodine and you know and this is everything that i've learned about pcmx and you know and then i'm going to look at them and i'm going to judge what i think would be the superior product based on the data that i have in front of me and the information and other piercers experiences you know i'm not going to just pick a piercer like i'm not going to like throw a dart you know out into the internet have it land on one piercer and then just blindly copy everything they do you know yeah and, Sometimes when you do that, uh, sure, like maybe their information is technically correct, but it might not be the only version of correct, you know? So when, when a piercer says, you know, you have to have sterile gloves, I'm not going to say, no, you shouldn't have sterile gloves, but I'm also going to say, okay, but, you know, if you have a really good cross-contamination uh, prevention technique and if you're really good with this and that it's like yeah you can still be a good piercer with non-sterile gloves you yeah. know and all this stuff you know but when people are just like well this one piercer said you needed it so i'm gonna i'm gonna parrot that information and now if you're not doing the thing that they said i'm gonna judge you and and say that you're a bad piercer because of it and people just don't understand the concept of opinion versus fact you know and exactly. sometimes piercers yeah they have their opinion and their opinion's good but other people's opinions are also good sometimes it's it's one of those things where it's okay to disagree you're not wrong and you're not less of a piercer because you disagree with someone about how to handle a client or 
you know, a septic technique or whatever. Like, it doesn't make them any less valid as it does you. Like, at the end of the day, we all do the same job. We all go to work. We all poke holes in people. We all go home. So, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where you shouldn't feel like you're any less of a piercer because you don't agree with someone and because you disagree with some with something like that's what's so cool about being human and being in this industry is that you can disagree you can have differing opinions and it's okay and it doesn't make you less of a person because of that right it's like the body piercing equivalent of a religion you know it's like <laughs> sure you can have christians and you can have jews and you can have muslims you know you can have the people who look at a b or c body piercer and that's their ultimate goal that's great but that doesn't mean that what that doesn't mean that someone else's goals or that someone else's mentors or idols or whatever um are bad or you know don't know what they're talking about too you know mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it's great it's great to have people that you look up to it's great to try to use them as an example and try to take some of the same steps that they've taken but you have to realize that that's not the only path you know that there are lots of different paths to get where you want to get and you have to respect the fact that other people are going to choose their own path in this industry and you know not to say that there is no such thing as bad information because sometimes people they have an opinion and it's incorrect you know it's based on something that's inaccurate or or whatever and like they need to grow and they need to improve also but you know there's 10 different ways to do something correctly and just because someone has chosen a different way to do it correctly doesn't mean that they're wrong you know it just means that it's different yeah yeah and you know if if, if something's different to you it's it's okay to be intimidated by it and it's okay to even not understand it you know like I've seen piercers who were pretty new in the industry see a freehand piercing for the first time and, you know, their their first reaction was, oh, wow, that's wrong. Well, why is it wrong? Oh, well, I wasn't taught that way. Okay, well, just because you weren't taught that way, it doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's totally okay if what that person did isn't what you want to do. And if it intimidates you or, you know, you feel you can't do it, that's fine too and that was one of the points i made in that post it's it's okay to not know how to do things it's okay to be uncomfortable with doing genital piercings for example like i've been piercing five years i don't do a lot of genital work at all i'm pretty uncomfortable with doing a lot of it because of the lack of experience even though i've taken classes i know how these piercings work i just haven't done them so you know it's it's, it's okay to accept where you're at and be content with that too you know you you're not going to learn every aspect of this career even in the first five years ten years of piercing you know like i know some piercers who've been piercing for 10 years and they've never done even a pa and you know they they shouldn't be they they, they shouldn't be like talked down to because of that yeah, I, I had this this point a couple of months back where I was really starting to get frustrated by uh, younger piercers or, or less experienced piercers like not really having that knowledge base about genital piercings. And then I really had to step back and realize that it's like, well, you know, a lot of it is just it's access to information and they haven't had you know, access to, to be able to watch some get done or mentoring oh, yeah. or, or whatever. And, and now I, I try to look at it as like, well... I don't do every piercing under the sun. You know, if someone came in and asked me for like a Princess Albertina, you know, like I'm a, I'm a really experienced piercer and I would never 
feel comfortable doing that piercing because I've never seen one in person. I've never watched one get done. I mean, I know it's a really rare piercing and it's maybe unrealistic to, to say like, oh, well, you know, oh, you haven't done a Princess Albertina, bro. <laughs> you know, but like, it's that same kind of thing, you know, and if people feel that same way about something like a, a, a hood or a PA or something like that, like that doesn't mean that they're a bad piercer. That just means that they haven't had the right kind of access to the information that they, they need or want or something like that. And I don't want to dump on someone, you know, when I, when I explain a technique or a, anything that's different, I don't just say, this is what I do. I say, this is what I do and why. And I fully explain, you know, this is exactly why I hold the needle this way. This is exactly why I use this tool or use no tools. And you know, like, I want to explain it to piercers so that they have that, that problem solving ability, you know, where I, yeah. I want to know everybody's way to do everything so that if, if I'm encountered with something that's a little bit out of my comfort zone, I'll know like, you know, okay, well, I've heard someone talk about trying this and I've heard someone talk about doing this for tissue stability or doing this for technique or angle or placement or whatever. And I don't want to just imagine that there's like one perfect, you know, kill shot and I have to know that all the time. You know, I, I want to know a little bit of everything and I want to explain why I do what I do so that other people can can have that card in their deck eventually. Oh, no, I, I agree completely. Like, you know, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it's it's back to the whole everybody starts somewhere. And, you know, especially with general work, for example, a lot of it is just luck you know like i apprenticed in iowa where the shop i was at we would maybe do two vchs a year and that was literally it we never had general work come in but then like i have some friends who've apprenticed out in california and they're in an area that has like a huge gay community and you know they do 30 genital piercings a week like it's nothing so you know a lot of it too just comes down to where you're at geographically and how lucky you got. I've been, I've been really fortunate with, uh, you know, things like genital piercings, like from, from really early on in my career, whatever reason, the, the way I talk to clients or just my local market or whatever, you know, people feel comfortable to ask questions about genital piercings. And if it's something I'm capable of doing, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them about all their options. I'll be like, Oh, cool. You know, like, you're asking about this, but have you ever considered this, that, or whatever? And, yeah. you know, after a while, it grew to this point where I feel really comfortable with a, a wide range of, of genital piercings, but I didn't start that way. You know, it when I was starting piercing, um, I would feel pretty comfortable with something like a PA, you know, because that's something that I, I, I did on myself at, at one point when I was learning to pierce, you know, so I, I had that kind of knowledge base. Uh, and then down the road when it was like, okay, talking more about hood piercings or more complicated stuff, you know, apodravias, you know, stuff that I did not want or did not have the ability to, to do on myself. Um, it, it was, it, it was a slowdown kind of process, but I tried not to be intimidated and I just, I still tried to learn all the information I could when I was talking to other body piercers. So mm -hmm. that when I had those conversations with my clients again, and we were talking about something like a PA, which was in my comfort zone, I could say, well, okay, based on what you're telling me, like the functionality that you want, maybe you should consider something like an Apodravia or Dido's or something like that. And hey, you know, I, I know you're here to get 
the a, a vertical hood but just so you know you have ideal anatomy for something like a triangle if you wanted to have a conversation about that I can give you information on it and see if maybe you want to go in that direction instead you know and it's 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 a process but I never would have been able to have those conversations with clients and grow my techniques if I didn't have the information that I learned from other piercers you know asking them questions about you know how do you do this what are some anatomical concerns can I see mm -hmm. pictures of ones that you've done all that stuff but again that that goes back to that you know free free sharing of information and if people had approached me and been like oh you don't know how to do an ampling hack you know like what would that have done to my career like how would that have slowed me down and how would that have like bummed me out basically and, and killed my enthusiasm to want to learn those things mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where you know if you've Say, say, you know, me, for example, I don't, like I said, I don't do a lot of general work. So when a general piercing comes in my studio, what I tell my client is, hey, so, you know, depending on the piercing, obviously, I'll be like, hey, so I've taken multiple professional courses on this piercing you want to get. I've seen it done a few times. I did to do lots of these. I know the technique. I just don't have a lot of experience doing this piercing. And I, I leave it up to the client. I'm like... So it's one of those things where if you want me to do this, I'm fine doing it for you. You know, just know I don't have all the experience. It could go great. We might need to adjust it or something like that. And if your client's cool with it, then, you know, I don't think you're in the wrong for piercing them, you know, as long as you're not doing something that's obviously unsafe. So I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like four piercings you've never done before or something you're not comfortable with. Just give your client all of the information and then from there, let them make their own decision. And if they decide they're not comfortable having you do this piercing, don't into it, send them to someone more, more experienced and then try to shadow that person while they do that piercing. And, you know, obviously have this conversation with your client, regardless of what piercing it is before doing the piercing. Don't, don't just take their money and do the piercing so you can get the experience without telling them. Because that's, that's really shitty, and that's a disservice to your client, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every piercing that you know how to do, every piercing that I know how to do, there was always a first time, you know? So, I mean, oh, totally. you, you, there might be piercings where, like, you know, some people have never done a septum, you know, because they're intimidated by it, you know? And you just have to, just like you said, have the conversation, be completely transparent with your client, um, and in situations like the first time I ever did a triangle, you know, I, I was really comfortable doing something like a horizontal hood or a vertical hood. And I had a client in who was, uh, you know, a, a partner of, of someone who was a friend of mine, you know, and they had really perfect uh, ideal anatomy for a triangle, you know, and I had been reading a lot about it and talking to other piercers and looking at pictures on like BME and be like, you know, I fully understand the entire technique. I understand it. I just haven't had the opportunity and I haven't had that ideal situation, you know, and then the ideal situation presented itself to me. So I had a conversation with the person and I said, hey, I know that you're here for a VCH, you know, and I, I talked to her and I said, 
you know, are you getting it for aesthetic reasons? Are you getting it for functionality reasons? And she was like, you know, I really want it specifically to improve my sex life. I really want it for functionality. And, I, and then I had the same conversation, you know, and hey, you have really ideal anatomy for a triangle, which a lot of people find is a very sexually functional piercing. I've never performed one before. I, I'm very comfortable with the technique and you have really ideal anatomy for it. Would you feel comfortable you know, letting me do this piercing on you. Uh, and, you know, they, they agreed to do it. And that was my first triangle, you know, and That's without awesome. having, yeah, it, I mean, it was awesome, you know, but, but now when someone comes in, I can feel a little bit more confident, you know, like me piercing with however many 20 years of experience, I've still only done maybe like four or five triangles ever. And it still makes me nervous, you know, but I have that confidence part a little bit in the back of my mind where I'm like, I know I can do this. It just I've needs it to be, before. yeah, you, you just need the right anatomy and you need the right scenario and all that stuff. And it's great. But, you know, I, I had to, I had to try, you know, and I had to kind of get past that mental block of intimidation, you know, but I did it through communicating with the client, not just saying like, you know, oh, I'm going to do this and not mention that I've never done one before and cross my fingers and hope that it comes out fine. You know, like I, I gave all the information to the client. I was transparent and I was like, and it's, it's your decision. If you're comfortable with me doing it, I'd be happy to do that. If not, I'm still happy to just do your VCH or I could refer you to another piercer where I know they have more experience with the triangle. And that's just how it grew for me. And, and I think some piercers are just so intimidated and they think like, I have to be the world's best body piercer before I do any of these advanced things. And it's like, it, it, it seems so counterintuitive to me because it's like, everybody has a first time for everything. And, you know, you, you have to just have the, the right scenario for the, the first one. Mm -hmm. And little secret here too, even the piercers that we all really look up to who've been piercing for 20, 30 years, they mess up too, you know? Like, there's like piercers who teach a conference and everything, teach amazing classes, everything like that. They probably botched a nostril this year, you know? It, totally. it happens. So totally. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, just mess up. And I, I will be the first one to say, I am so guilty of this. I'll do a nostril and then it's not sitting how I want it to or whatever the case may be. And I will literally get in a rut for like a week where I just feel like shit. And I'm like, oh, I, I should have done this and I should have done that. And I mean, I always, I, I always try to use it as a learning experience, but... You know, it's it's one of those things too. That's that that's what's so hard about piercing is you know you're you're so we're so focused on we want to do the best job possible and when we don't, you know, at least for me, I'm really really hard on myself about it and that that can be really frustrating too. Yeah, you know, I, I beat myself up over little mistakes. You know, and I think the farther along I get in my career, the more the little mistakes weigh on me. So yeah. when I was when I was a younger piercer and I was a little bit more reckless, you know, it'd be like, well, you know, it's it's fine that the surface piercings I did on you with curved barbells rejected eventually, you know, but it's like it's still extreme and it's still cool and a learning experience. You know, now um, if I do a, a surface piercing, you know, it could be really well placed and amazing jewelry and it could be long-term healed and then I look at it and I'm like oh it's like a half a millimeter leaning in this direction and it doesn't and the, the client never notices you know or, yeah and, but I tear myself up over it you know and um 
you know, I, I think that's going to happen. You know, I think a lot of piercers are also kind of perfectionists, you know, but uh, yep. you got to you got to be comfortable with with yourself and realize that perfection is really not attainable. You know, you aim for perfection and you try to get as close as you can. But it's like playing darts, like, you know, you're aiming for the bullseye, but, you know, there's still there's still ways to win. Not not hitting the bullseye every time, you know, so um, y you have to just just be realistic, you know, in your career and don't think that we're all invincible gods or anything like that. You know, we're just we're just people doing a job and, you know, some people do it great. Some people do it not so great. Some people are, are aiming towards great and they're going to get better every day. But, you know, it's it's just it's a skill and, and it takes practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like and let's face it, too, it'd be it'd be really boring if we did every piercing absolutely flawless. Every photo we took came out perfect. You know, that make our jobs so boring. It really would. Like what, <laughs> what's the point even like trying at that point, if you do everything perfect, it takes away the whole accomplishment rewards system aspect from it. Right. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a really good day and nailing them all. Oh, but... Totally. You know, yeah, like you, you learn a lot from not nailing it sometimes, you know, and maybe you learn more from the mistakes than from the ones that you you totally nailed, you know. And I've, I've noticed it's also one of those things as soon as you start to think like, oh, man, I've, I'm just nailing all these piercings. Very next day, you're going to have a day where everything goes wrong and the universe definitely puts you in check. So, well, I think every body piercer uh, th this always comes up and it, I always get the same honest reaction is just like just one word septums you know like you can you can be awesome <laughs> at septums but then you know you get that one that's that's a little bit off or you get maybe a couple that are a little bit off and then you end up on this like bad streak you know and like I've had points in my career where I flip flop between like I am the king of septums you know I can do no wrong they're all going to be perfect and then I'll have this like slump where for like weeks they'll be slightly off from perfect and I'll be like, what, what is the missing ingredient? Like, what am I doing wrong? I, I, I know I can nail these, but I'm not nailing these. Like what's, what's the problem? And every piercer goes through that period, you know, whether it's septums or something else, you know, you're, you're always going to have that moment where something's just not clicking for you. And you know, you can either just give up and say, Oh, who cares? Or you can, you can think about it, you know, and you can make improvements and you can figure out, what you need to, to wiggle or change or what information you need or what materials you need to, to improve it, you know, and I kind of love that whole Sherlock Holmes aspect of it of like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to get to the bottom of this and figure out why these piercings are healing a little bit tilted or why people are having this healing complication with this piercing or why I'm having trouble doing jewelry installs on this and that and whatever. I love that stuff. I love those little things. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you do mess up to own it, like, you know, and in pretty much almost every situation I've had with a client where I did a piercing and it came out less than stellar, you know, I, I tell the client, I'm like, hey, I'll let you take a look at this. Let me know what you think. Ultimately, you're the one that has to wear this and I want you to be happy, but I'm not happy with it. Here's why. And if I'm not happy with it, I know over the long term, you're probably not going to be happy with it either. So you know, I'm human, mistakes happen, I'd much rather correct this for you right now, or, you know, make an appointment when this heals up to just redo it for you. Because I want you to have the best piercing possible. And if I'm not happy, I know you're not happy. And it's okay to mess up as long as you own it, you know, like, 
I, I, I see so many piercers where they're afraid to admit they did something wrong. And I, I don't know if it's a pride thing or, you know, what it is. And I'll, I'll totally admit in the beginning of my career, I was, I was guilty of that. I was like, Oh, but I can't, I can do no wrong. And, you know, I definitely got proved wrong in that aspect and that's yes. okay. And I learned from it. I'm, you know, it, it, there's kind of shades of gray for how, how far off something is from perfect, you know? Um, so I, I'd say my, my most common way that I present that is like a, you know, a good example would be like if I'm doing paired nostrils, you know, um, a lot of times just faces and noses are not symmetrical and it's not realistic to, to have it be perfectly mirrored, you know? So oh, yeah. I'll do the marks and I'll have them look in the mirror and, and I'll tell them like, you know, just so you know, faces aren't totally symmetrical, make sure that they look balanced and look even to you. And then I'll, I'll do the piercings and I'll look at it, you know? And to me, like, you know, I've got kind of a sharp eye for, for stuff like that, you know, symmetry and piercings and all that stuff, like from, from being experienced, you know, but so I might look at something and be like, well, that, that looks a little off to me. Uh, why don't you check it out in the mirror? And the client will look and they're like, it looks perfect to me. I love it. So at, at that point, it's like, okay, cool. You know, th those those conversations can go a different way. The client can look at it and be like, no, I'm totally happy with this. That's fine. And then sometimes the client will look at it and they'll be like, yeah, you know what? It does look a little bit off to me. And then that's when you have the, the hard conversation. It's, you know, do you want me to pull it and redo it now? Do you want me to pull it and redo it later? Do you want to sleep on it and see what you decide tomorrow and all those things? But what I wouldn't want to do is look at something and see that it's visually off, you know, something's different. And then just like... Let them walk right out the door, you know, because then maybe they get home and look in the mirror and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a little bit off. And then they're going to think, well, you know, why is this place called Precision? If like, you know, <laughs> if, if they if they did that or whatever, you know, and I've seen piercings come back from from myself or from other piercers in my shop or from guest artists. And, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll see it six months after the fact and I'll look at it and it'll be like, oh, man, who did that piercing? And they'll be like, oh, you guys did. And it's like, oh, you know, like that kind of stuff shouldn't be walking out of my shop, you know? So I, I try to talk to the other piercers and I always say it totally honestly, like if you didn't nail something, own up to it with the client, you know, like yeah. our, our reputation is so much more important than uh, our pride, you know? So you don't want to just let somebody walk out the door with something that, you know, if it's like the tiniest little degree off, you know, whatever, like, yeah. you know, but like if something is significant, you don't just like pretend that it was perfect and let them walk out the door. You got to have those conversations with the client and be like, you know what, honestly, like, I don't, I'm not super happy with it. I don't think it came out great. What do you think? Take a look. How do you want to remedy this? How do you want to go forward? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, like we're, we're not perfect robots. We're, we're going to make mistakes. It, it happens. And I think that's a big thing what sets like a good piercer apart from someone who needs improvement is being able to admit when you're wrong and you know being able to have those conversations with clients because that's a really hard thing to do it it really is and you know you're going to get clients who are upset with you about it and some of them might not even come back and you know at, at the end of the day like it is what it is it happens and you know kind of going being a hypocrite here instead of beating yourself up over it try to learn from that situation try to really like think that whole client interaction and be like well what was the point in this interaction where things started to go south and what can i do to prevent this from happening in the future yeah i mean totally I, you know it 
everything should be a learning experience. You know, whether you succeed or whether you fail or whatever kinds of interactions you're having with someone else or you see what kind of work other people are putting out or how they criticize it or whatever, it's all a learning experience. So, you know, everything you do, every success and every failure should make you stronger in, in the end. You know, you just have to look at everything as a, as a learning experience. But um, I feel like we're kind of starting to, to get existential on, on piercing. So yeah. <laughs> maybe we, we wrap this one up and then, uh, you know, I, I think you're pretty easy to talk to. So I think maybe we should do a, like a second episode sometime down the road. Oh yeah, man. I'd love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, this was so, a lot of fun. uh, yeah, this is great. You know, I, I really like, uh, I really like chatting. Your, yours will be my, my first show of the new year. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. Heck yeah. Bringing in the new year strong. So uh, one more time for people, where do they where do they find you if they want to get a piercing? Where do they find you online if they want to follow you? Yeah, so my name is Tanner Bennett. I'm a body piercer in Salt Lake City, Utah. I currently work at Blue Boutique. Uh, we have a couple locations, West Valley one. We also have a Sugar House location, Ogden location, which is pretty rad. Um, I do also do reviews right now. So every Wednesday I'm piercing their Ogden location. But anyway, if you want to get a hold of me for, you know, piercing inquiries, troubleshooting, you need to find a reputable piercer, you just want to nerd out about fun stuff because I'm a goofy nerd, um, at Piercings by Tanner on Instagram is a good way to get a hold of me. I also have a Facebook page, uh, Piercings by Tanner. More than happy to talk with enthusiasts, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, I just want to make people happy and help people. So. Awesome. Heck yeah. That's a, that's a great outlook to have. To have so. uh, thanks for talking with me, and I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Thanks for joining me, Tanner. I always appreciate it when people find time to fit me into their schedule. Um, you know, there's not many other ways that I can say it at this point. You know, I've, I've said it every way I can think of is just like, don't be a dick to each other. Um, be nice, be helpful. If you don't have anything nice to say, uh, maybe just shut up. Um, I, I'm kind of getting to a frustration point, you know, especially when I'm off the board of directors and I don't have to be quite so polite. I think I'm going to have to maybe reach out to a couple of these people that are being a little bit jerkish and, um, you know, try to rein them back in because I, I just don't understand how they think it's productive to um, say, you know, two years ago, I was in the same place that you are now, but I'm going to beat you over the head with my accomplishments. And, you know, people can get to the same goal, you know, and people start out in the same place, you know, so I, I, I don't get why people have to tear each other down, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just want to kind of put it in the back of people's minds. If you are one of those people who's frustrated and people have, you know, dumped on you online or something like that, just reach out to me, you know, shoot me a Facebook message, send me an email, let's talk, you know, I'm happy to share in any information I might have, you know, I'm going to be bouncing around at lots of different conferences and lots of different seminars, so, you know, we can always link up and we can uh, go over some questions or we can just chat about life or about body piercing or whatever. I'm about to head into work, pierce a little girl's ears, and then tomorrow I'm going to head out to Nashville. Uh, a little bit of work stuff, a little bit of fun stuff. There is going to be a little bit of wrestling while I'm out there. No uh, no surprise there. And I'll be back next week. I've already got another interview done for everybody. I think next week might be Vishal Rose from Canada. Um, I, I have to edit that interview down a little bit, so maybe that'll be next week. Maybe it won't be next week. Maybe I can try to get some more interviews with people while I'm out in Nashville. A couple of really cool people coming to these classes, so maybe I can try to get some stuff recorded for you. But one way or the other, I'll be back next week, so hope you tune back in. Thanks for listening.
For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.